Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Take out those worship guides. Inside are some sermon notes as we dive into the finale of Love, Sex, and Marriage. We've been talking about your relationships, how to take it to the next level. And I really want to give you a word, a message today that I think is crucial. Um, It's one of those messages that if you've been married a long time, you're going to agree with me. It'll reinforce some stuff in your life. If you're not married yet, you need to hear this. If you're newly married, you definitely need to hear this. And I want to talk to you today about relationships that work. Write it down this way. Relationships that work, take work. I'm going to say it again. Relationships that work. We all want relationships that work. They just take work. Why don't you say it with me at every location? Ready? Relationships that work, take work. And, and I want you to understand that because your relationship's not going to ever accidentally get healthy. You're not going to accidentally get into the marriage that you want. You're not going to accidentally raise your kids to follow God. You're going to have to be intentional about it, and it's going to take a little bit of work. And people don't like to hear that. They don't like that word work. But I want to challenge you on how to, you can work towards a better marriage, a better relationship. So I want you to take in lots of notes. And we're going to look at the love story of a guy by the name of Jacob in the Bible. Say Jacob. Jacob. Jacob's story is found in the book of Genesis, if you have your Bibles today. Open up Genesis chapter 29. And Jacob's a very important person in our faith. If you know the history of faith, uh, we, got, we got Abraham, then we got his son Isaac, and then we got Isaac's son named Jacob. Jacob ends up having 12 sons that become the 12 sons of Israel and uh, the 12 tribes of Israel, and they're very important in the development of our faith. So Jacob's an important guy, but I want to kind of take a step back and not talk about more his kids. I want to talk about his love life, and we're going to look at how he found his spouse and how that turned out for him today, and I think it's going to help you in no matter what season you're in in life. Genesis chapter 29, we're going to start at verse 10, and here's what happened you got a guy named Jacob, it's his brothers Esau, they're twins. Jacob goes and leaves the house to go find a spouse, all right? So what they would do is they would go to an area where their relative was at, and they would marry a relative. So that shows us that if he was living today, he would be in, you know, Alabama, West Virginia, Plant City, hello? So, so he was going to his his uncle Laban's house, and as he was traveling there, he got to the town of Mesopotamia that he was in, and he goes to this well, and he sees this girl at this well. He picks it up like this in verse 10. And he saw Rachel, daughter of his uncle Laban, and Laban's sheep, and he went over, and he rolled the stone away from the mouth of the well. So Rachel's there at this well with her sheep, and as they're sitting at this well, she can't get the stone off the top of it. So this guy looks over and says, man, that girl's fine. There's some potential there. And he sees that she's got a need, so he kind of rolls up his sleeve. He's like, yeah, I've been to the local Jerusalem CrossFit. I'm ready to go. I've been been training for this one. And that didn't exist back then, but you got the idea. So he goes over and he moves the, the stone away from the well, and they were able to give water to the sheep. And so he's the hero of the story. And verse 11 caps it off. And it says, and then Jacob kissed Rachel and began to weep aloud. Come on, how many know that shows us that Jacob was homeschooled right there? (laughs) First kiss right there, just crying. (laughs) I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Now, if the story was a Disney movie, 
it would end right there. The hero comes in, saves the day, kisses the girl, and they ride off happily ever after. And how many know that's not reality? Reality is, is that if you're going to make a relationship work, it's going to take, it's going to take some work. And that's where our story goes, where he goes and goes to Laban's house and says, how, you know, I, I like your daughter. And he says, well, if you like my daughter, you're going to have to work for her, which is what it takes in any relationship. So then we get the story behind the scenes and it says it like this. Now Laban had two daughters. This is important to know. The name of the older was Leah and the name of the younger was Rachel. We've already heard about Rachel. So let's learn about Leah. Verse 17, it said, Leah had weak eyes. Let me tell you what that means. <laughs> In all love and respect, let me say, weak eyes was not a problem with her eyesight. It means in the new Aaron translation, it means that girl ugly. <laughs> Man, that girl ugly, she was not good to look at, all right? I know it's mean, but it's, it's the Bible, it's what it says. But Rachel, she had a lovely figure and was beautiful. So Jacob was in love with Rachel and he said, what did he say to Laban? He said, I'm gonna work for seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. So he makes this agreement and he says, listen, I, I wanna marry this girl, so I'll, I'll work for those seven years. So Jacob, verse 20, served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. And all the girls say, Oh, I don't understand that at all. I don't, I don't know about you. When I see something I want, I want it right now. Anybody else have just a hard time waiting? Like you just have a hard time. It's not a spiritual gift of mine. It was never given to me. I don't know why. I just don't like to wait. I don't like to wait at all. I don't like to, like if you're at an appointment with me, I like you there on time. I like to be on time. Um, if I go to the drive-thru at a, at a fast food restaurant and I give you my money, and then there you go, okay, go to that next window. When I get to the next window, I expect my food there. There's nothing worse than getting to that next window and they say, excuse me, sir, can you pull into one of those parking spaces over there? No, no, I can't. Because ma'am, as soon as I leave your window, you will never remember me again in my life. And, and I'm gonna sit over there and die of starvation until you give me this food. I'm standing right here. I don't like to wait. I don't like to, you put me on, on the phone. If I call your business, I don't want you to answer and say, can you hold on for a second? That doesn't make any sense. Don't answer the phone if you need me to hold on for it. I was fine waiting for the ring right there. I don't like to wait. So many of us don't understand, and I'm gonna preface this today, that so much about relationships is waiting. And you have to learn to wait well. Many of you guys are waiting for a spouse. You're waiting for that spouse to propose. You're waiting for that person to change. You're waiting for them to get pregnant. You're waiting for the divorce. Some of you guys, it's waiting after waiting after waiting. And I wanna encourage some people that you say, Aaron, I'm in a season right now like Jacob. I know what I want and I'm just waiting for it. Here's what you need to do. Understand this, a waiting season isn't a wasted season. Wow, Write it down, somebody here and here today because that's the word of God from you today. You're in this waiting season. You know, you've got the idea. You made a list when you were 12 years old of 83 things you want in a spouse. You know what it is, but you're not there yet. What do you do? You have to understand that if God's got you waiting, he's not wasting your life right now. He, he, if he hasn't given it to you yet, it's because he wants to do something in you before he brings you to that thing in your life. So there's a season in our life where we have to embrace the waiting season. That's why I wrote it down this way. Don't hate the wait. 
So many people, they get in the waiting season, they hate it. Don't hate the wait. And I know it's tough, and I know it's not fun, and I know it's not sexy, but the behind the scenes is, is that if you want anything significant in your life, you're gonna have to be okay with waiting for a little bit. And if it's, if it's worth it, you're gonna have to wait for it. Let me say it again. If it's worth it, you're gonna have to wait for it. So don't give up on it right now. Galatians tells us the promise of God right here over your life. Let us not grow weary in doing good. What does that mean? Why do we grow weary? We grow weary because we're doing something and we don't see the fruit of it. He says, but don't do that. In due season, and eventually something's gonna happen. You're gonna reap that harvest. You're, you will get that relationship. You will get that kid. You will get that breakthrough. You will get that pro promotion. In due season, if you do not lose heart. Another version says it like this. If you do not quit. And way too many people fall short because they feel like I'm just waiting forever. Here's Jacob, he sees what he wants and he's waiting for seven years for it. Don't despise the seasons that God has you waiting. Habakkuk says it like this, for the vision is for an appointed time. Say appointed time. You know what I've realized about the appointed times of God? They're not my times. My timing is like right now or yesterday. But God's timing is always sometime in the future. And here's what I've realized. Listen to me, church, at every location. It's always better than my time. So if he hasn't given it to you yet, just understand. It's for an important time. Though it tarry, that means though it waits. Here's what you do. Wait for it. Just wait for it. They haven't proposed. Just wait. You haven't found the spouse. Just wait. You haven't had the kids yet. Just wait. Because listen, it'll surely come. You gotta be encouraged today for those that are in that waiting season. So what do we do in that waiting season? Jacob told us. What did he do? I'm gonna work for you for seven years. Notice he didn't say, I'm gonna wait for seven years. A lot of you guys think your waiting season is just all about kicking back and relaxing. That is not a waiting season. A waiting season should be the greatest working seasons of your life. So what do we do about that? You work. What do you work on? Your character. How about this? On your consistency. Uh, you just show up right the right way. You do the right thing. You do your devotional life. You work on these. You, you work on your competency. You get good at stuff. You go to school. You, you make sure you finish that degree. How about this one? You work on your credit score. <laughs> That's a word from God for somebody in here today. But, but I'll work on that when I get married. No, no, do it right now. Watch what God will do in your life if you will get and just say, I don't understand why I'm waiting. But while I'm waiting, I'm gonna be working on what I can work on so that when I get there, I'll be the person I need to be to make sure I take the most of it. And here's why. If you don't understand that it's a working season, then you'll get bored. And I wrote it down in my notes this way, because boredom is the breeding ground for stupidity. And there's way too many people. You notice you make your, your dumbest decisions in seasons where you're bored? I think back in my early 20s, and I go, why did I do all that? I had too much free time. Too much free time. Why, why did I do that? Why did I do that when I was 18? Oh, because I, I was bored. And I'm telling you this, if, you, if, you'll, if you'll realize that God's trying to get you busy right now on different things in your life, because if you'll keep yourself from boredom, you'll keep yourself from doing dumb things. So that's why you should be leading multiple groups. That's why you should be serving multiple services. That's why you should find places to volunteer and, and different things to be a part of. That's why you should go to next steps. You go, well, I'm just not trying to add more to my plate right now. Don't, 
add a lot to your plate right now. You're in a season that if you haven't received it yet, maybe God's got you here. And I hear it all the time. They're like, well, you know, I just, I, I, when I just want kids so bad. I want, when I get to that season, I just want them so bad. Enjoy not having children right now. Please. And if you need that fix, come watch mine for free. There, there's, there's, there, there's stuff you can do in your waiting season that you can't do once you get that promise in your life. You're single right now. You can go do whatever you want. You spend money whatever way you want to spend it. And you just go, I want to go and do that. You just swipe the card. There's nobody else looking. You just swipe that card right there. And you, when you walk away, you go, oh man, I can do that because I'm single right now. I'm going to enjoy the waiting season that God has in my life. You got to embrace that waiting season in your life. Story goes on, says it like this. Let me just pause. I got to say this. Um, I did a little studies this last week um, on the, how, what makes a diamond. And diamonds, you know, they look like this. Uh, this, is, this is the one that I got out of Katie's ring. Uh, <laughs> it's really powerful. So, no, it's not even close. But um, so, so diamonds look beautiful, and everybody wants a diamond. The girl's best friend, that's, that's what they say. And, um, and I realized diamonds don't look always like this. Here's, here's how you form a diamond. It's about 100 miles below the surface of the earth. There's a thing called the mantle where there is intense heat, intense pressure, and there's a, a massive amount of time that there's this massive amount of pressure, 2,000 2, degree temperatures with 725,000 pounds per square inch of pressure. And it takes that graphite and that material and forms it and melts it and makes it into something beautiful like this. Everybody wants the product. Nobody wants the process that it takes to make it into it. I'm telling you what I've realized is the seasons that I feel like I'm underground, the seasons I feel like the pressure's on, the heat is on, nobody sees me, it looks difficult, guess what? It's because God's got you in this season because he's trying to create a diamond out of you that's gonna be beautiful, it's gonna be life-changing, so don't give up on it because here's what happens with the diamond. Eventually, a volcano or something happens from underneath and blows it to the surface and there's a lot of people that are single, that are, that are married, that don't have kids yet, that are sitting there and they're struggling, and you feel like, I'm under all of this pressure. I'm under all this pressure. Give God time, because eventually one day, he's gonna come up underneath you, he's gonna bring you to the surface, and he'll bring you that destiny and that promise that he's brought into your life. Come on, give him better praise than that today, church. That's good preaching today, Aaron Burke, I know. Verse 21, so he, remember he waited for seven years and look what happened. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife. <laughs> That's awesome. My time is complete and I wanna make love to her. The weird things you say to your uncle, huh? <laughs> weird. So when the morning came, so no, verse 23, the evening came, he took his daughter Leah, so Laban took Leah, remember weak eyes Leah, and he brought her to Jacob, and Jacob made love to her. Should I go there? How excited do you have to be <laughs> that you don't even know who is that person in front of you at that moment right there? <laughs> Told you, love, sex, and marriage series, we're having fun. <laughs> when morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, 
what is this? <laughs> it's the Bible. What is this that you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? And Laban replied, it is not our custom to give, to, to give the younger daughter in marriage. He says, listen, you didn't read the terms and conditions correctly. The fine print, you, you, you didn't read it right. Like, hey, you, you gotta take Leah first. And he says, he says, listen, finish this bridal week and then I'll give you the younger one also in return for what? Another seven years. What? Hey, let, let's, let me just put this in practical terms because you're looking at this going, this is never gonna happen to me. <laughs> let me tell you how it does happen to everybody. You wait for that relationship God brings you that relationship. Eventually, one day, sometimes it's the day after you get buried, sometimes it's weeks after, months after, years after. Eventually, you wake up and you look at that person next to you and go, that thing's uglier than I thought it was gonna be. <laughs> and I'm not talking about the person, I'm talking about the marriage. It looks different than I thought. I thought they were gonna act this way. I thought they were gonna approach me this way. I thought they were gonna, I, I thought they were, you know, I thought they were always gonna have good breath and, and I thought they were always gonna have perfect hair and I thought he would always open the door for me and now he runs ahead and slams the door in front of me. Like, what's the deal? Because listen, eventually you're gonna have this moment in every relationship where it just doesn't look like you thought it would look. So here's number two, ready, write in your notes. When the relationship turns out different than you thought it would, here's my challenge for you today. Don't run from it, work on it. Work on it. And if you'll learn to work on it, God's got you there. I love this story of Jacob because after he gets married, the work starts even more. So it shows me that if you think the work is over once you get married, you are deceived. This is where the work actually starts. So here's the three words. I want you to get them. I wrote it down in my notes, they're not in yours. Simply these words, work on it. It's not what you want it to be. Work on it. It's not, it, it's not turned out great. Work on it. If you'll learn to work on it, I believe God will honor that. And what I'm praying today across Tampa Bay is that people would receive a fresh grace in their relationship to work on problems that they've given up on long ago. You gotta work on some things because God's got you in there. You go, well, it's so bad and we're not compatible. I think anybody can be compatible if you'll just work on it. You just gotta work on it. So what do Katie and I do to work on it? We work on it through daily communication. You gotta have time where you're sitting across from each other. Some of this takes a lot of work. They said the average couple communicates four minutes a day. No wonder. No wonder we can't have healthy relationships. We're not communicating. Talk about stuff. We call this couch time. It's for us, just a time we're sitting like that, just talk, talk to each other, talk to each other. They say, you know, 15, 20 minutes every day, just get the first thing you do, you walk in the house, you sit on the couch, you don't let the kids talk, you just talk to each other. Have a time where you're daily communicating. Maybe that's a walk for you guys. Maybe that's a, a breakfast, whatever it is, you gotta make sure that you're communicating every day and over-communicate as a couple. That helps you work on it. Here's the other one, is weekly date nights. You gotta, you gotta be intentional about investing in your relationship. I'm shocked at how many couples come to me and they go, we're just struggling. I'm like, when's the last time you went on a date? Well, we can't afford to go. Divorce is way more expensive. It's way more expensive. Invest in your marriage. Get a babysitter. Do, or put the kids in bed early and order some food in. 
Invest in your life. Katie and I have four children, seven, seven and under. It is a lot of work for us to get a date night in, but it invests in our marriage every time we do. It, it helps re, just keep that spark alive. Continually date your spouse. Here's the third one, is that we go on a yearly vacation together. And this is important because vacations are necessary. You need that time to get away. And here's what I believe a vacation is. We do a yearly vacation without kids. Now, this is, some of you guys are gonna have a hard time with this because your kids are your entire life. But I want you to know the best investment you can give to your children is a healthy marriage that you model for them. So Katie and I, we love our kids. I mean, they're the most, one of the most important things in the world to us. And it is very difficult for us to get on that plane and get away and go for a vacation. We do it every year. We do some big vacation together. It's always difficult. And three or four days into it, we all go, we go, oh, this is so worth it. You know what a vacation does? It pushes a giant reset button on your marriage and on your love life. And you need it. You need it in your life. Work on it. Here's the fourth one. It's simply this. Is you need regular marriage counseling. You need regular marriage counseling. You need regular checkups. This is why you have marriage small groups. Get in regular marriage small groups. You need some people to invest in your marriage from the outside. And if you're having problems, get help in your marriage. Counseling is not a negative thing. Counseling could be the very thing that'll save you, that'll help get the issues out there so that you can get whole. I love this verse in Proverbs 12, 11. Those who work their land, say work their land. Those are the people that have abundant fruit. Abundant food. They, they have a lot. But what, what is this one? Here's this. Those who chase fantasies, they don't have any sense. I love that verse right there. You know what it shows me? Is that if you want to have abundance in your marriage, work it. Come on, work it. Tell your, your, your spouse, I like the way you work it. Like, <laughs> that's weird. I didn't say that in any other service, so let's scratch that. Here, here's my phrase, ready? I'm not wishing for a better marriage. I'm working for it. And I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna sit there and go, I hope it turns out better. No, 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 I'm doing my part. I'm getting a fresh grace today and a fresh encouragement. I'm getting wind in my sails by the Spirit of God to realize as bad as it is, if I'll do my part to work on it, God will do his part to restore whatever's broken, whatever's lost, whatever's struggling, if you'll just work on it. Can I get a better amen today, church? All right. So he works on it for another seven years. And the Bible says it like this in verse 28. So Jacob did so, and he finished the week with Leah. And Laban gave his daughter Rachel to his wife, and he worked for Laban for another seven years. Verse 22. The Bible says that they tried to get pregnant. They had issues, which, by the way, in, in any marriage, you're going to have some struggles. You're going to have some issues. You're going to have some deficits. So they worked through those deficits. And the Bible gives us a story of Rachel getting pregnant. After a long time, which let me give some encouragement to some people who are trying to have a baby, just keep, keep, keep trusting God. Keep, keep relying on him. Bring the supernatural. Just pray with each other. Say, God, we give this thing to you. I really believe God wants to bless you guys with it to be fruitful and multiply as a church. I feel like that's for somebody. And he listened to her and he enabled her to conceive and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She said that God has taken away my disgrace and she named his, her son Joseph. Say Joseph. Joseph. Joseph goes on to be a person that's a great deliverer for Israel. They go to Egypt. He becomes second in command over all of Egypt and uh, ends up being a person that helps deliver the rest of the brothers from famine in the land. 
Joseph is a crucial person in the story. And here's what I love about the story of Jacob is that we realize that he goes to this third season of his life. So stay with me, I'm almost done. Two more minutes, ready? First season is he's in a waiting season where he's learning to work before he gets it. Second season, he gets it and realizes it's gonna take some work to make it better. He gets in the third season where now it's all about not just, he's already got the relationship, he's already been to that, and his third season is a legacy season, and it's all about his kids. It's all about the next generation. It's all about pouring into them. It's all about being a person of a character and integrity and someone that they can model their life after. And Joseph's life, if you look at it, it's mirrored so much to Jacob's. Joseph, which you'll hear about Joseph next week. I got a whole message for you next Sunday on it. But Joseph's life, he's known as a hard worker. Where do you think he learned that? His dad. Joseph has to wait for a long season. Where did he learn the ability to wait? His dad. Joseph is in the midst of incredible sexual temptation. Where did he learn the ability to withhold from sexual temptation and do what is honorable? His dad. Because Joseph did, I mean, Jacob did this. Listen to it, write it down in your notes. Jacob thought long-term legacy instead of short-term pleasure. You, you wanna have a relationship that works, you gotta work on your legacy. You gotta make sure that you're thinking long-term because way too many people, and I'm gonna get very brutal with y'all for just a second, but I love you so much as a church that I have to say it. There's way too many people that give up on their marriage, on their kids, on their life, on their legacy because they want short-term temporary pleasure. And I'm telling you, there's nothing that grieves my heart more as your pastor to see people that give up what I wrote it on your notes this way. Don't give up what you want most for what you can have right now. Oh man, right now I can have this sexual pleasure. I can have this pornography. I can have this fling. I can have this secretary. I can have this person. I can have this fulfillment right now. I can be happy right now. And the enemy's tactic is to give up what you want most in life for what will temporarily make you happy right now. And it's ruining marriages. It's ruining kids. And it's ruining generational legacy that God has for your life. And I'm telling you, I just, I, I, it's, it's, it's so disturbing to me where people walk into my office and they go, Aaron, we're just, we're done with this marriage. Done. Your kids, your grandkids, your great grandkids, they're gonna sit back and they're gonna talk about you, how you cowered your way out of that thing. Get some resilience in you to fight again. It's not just about you, it's about legacy. You gotta realize that I'm not just doing this for me and to have a happy marriage. I'm doing this for me and Katie and our kids and our grandkids and our great-grandkids and they're gonna look back and see a man of integrity and a man of character and not because it was easy but because it's the right thing to do. And we choose legacy. And I see this in Jacob's life. The Bible says at the end of his life when Jacob had finished giving instructions to his sons. What was he giving to his sons? Look at that generational legacy. At the, the last thing he's doing is still instructing his sons. Hey, here's how you live. Here's how you treat your wife. Here's how you handle your money. It's a good dad right there. He drew his feet up in his bed and breathed his last and gathered with his people. Genesis 50 verse one, Joseph threw himself on his father and wept and he kissed him. One day, hopefully a long time from now, 
we're all gonna be at that place. Our kids, our spouse, our family, our grandkids, they're surrounding that little bed and they're, they're weeping going, oh, this is the end for you. I want my kids sitting there talking about my legacy, my life, my integrity. And it's not gonna happen by accident. It's gonna happen by me working on it right now. Because Jacob did not receive that at the end of his life by accident. We go back 25 chapters before that. While his brother Esau is giving up his birthright, Jacob's thinking, long-term legacy, long-term legacy. What is this gonna look like at the end? And I think God's challenging you, some of you guys, think about your legacy. Invest in your family, invest in your marriage, invest in your kids. I know it'll be tough, but it's worth it. Think long-term legacy. All right, let me finish with this, the whole thing. I'm over time, but let me just finish this. That's what happens when you have 20-something baptisms in every service, so. All right, let me just finish with this. All right, there's two kinds of people that play board games. You're one of these two. This is the weirdest transition of all time, by the way. All right, so the way the Burks were raised is we are rule followers. We are intense, we wanna win. So here's how the Burks play. If you play your hand or you move that chess piece, as soon as your hand moves off of it, it's over. Can I get an amen or a hand? Like, that's how you do it, all right? So I believe that's the way that's right. If you make a play and you realize later on that you could have done it better, there's no reduce in this thing. I don't understand that world. So that's how I was raised. And then I got married to Katie. <laughs> Katie's family, who I love to death, are just a, a little bit different. They're not the rule followers. They're the gracious companions who basically are just there to have a good time with each other and don't really care who wins. Why? So I'll never forget one of the very first times we played Scrabble together. Someone put a, a word on the board and then it went to the next person. Your hand's off the, the pieces. It's done. And it goes to the next person to go and the person goes, oh, wait, 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 wait. I've got a better word that I can put down. So I'm just looking around. Is this, is this normal? Is this, this madness is okay with you guys? Oh yeah, 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 just do a redo. Just take your words back up. We're fine. Just redo it. Just, I'm, I'm like, I, when I play Scrabble, I challenge the words, you know what I mean? Like that's not a real word, I'm gonna challenge you. I go to challenge one time with them, they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa why are we challenging each other? Slow play. What are you doing? Let me tell you how God works. There's a, there's a world that you've messed up the waiting season, you've messed up the marriage season, you've messed up even the legacy season, and the world would be the rule followers that would say, you've done it, that's the hand that you dealt, and that's how it's gonna be forever. But Jesus comes onto the scene. And when Jesus steps onto the scene, he says, you know what? I'm not the rule follower. I'm the gracious companion. And I allow redos of those seasons so that you can accomplish all that I have. So you mess up the waiting season, you get a redo because of his grace. You messed up the marriage, you get a redo. You've messed up the legacy. God offers redos. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's worship him today.
one, with every eye closed, every head bowed, I believe that the Lord across Tampa Bay today is releasing a fresh grace to help some people in that season they're in. You're in a waiting season right now and you feel like it's just a struggle, it's a hard work. I believe God's giving you a fresh grace, fresh power, a fresh encouragement to wait well. There's other people that you're in marriage and it seems like there's just so much y'all gotta work on. God's saying I'm giving you a fresh grace today to work on that, to be sacrificial and to be helpful to each other. There's other people that you're, you're in that legacy season. You feel like you haven't done well with your kids or your grandkids. I believe God's releasing that grace over you even right now. Just receive it at every location. As I prayed over you, Lord, I pray for your church today. Lord, let them receive a fresh grace, a fresh empowerment to work on that relationship, to be in that season of waiting and work, to be in that season of marriage and work, to be in that season of legacy and work. Let us work well so that we can do all that you've called us to do. For those who are, who are wanting to give up, Lord, put that fresh wind in their sails to work. And I thank you that through it, you're gonna bring a miracle in their life. With every eye closed, every head bowed, you're in here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You can, I believe God wants to give it to you right now. He went to the cross for your sins and ours. And I'm telling you, he went to the cross because he knew that relationships at work take work and he did the work on the cross for you. And he did it so that you can have a relationship with God. So what do you have to do? You have to surrender your life to him. You have to say, I don't wanna do it my way, I wanna do it your way. You just saw across all of our locations, so many people make decisions to say, I'm giving Jesus my life. It's the best decision you can ever make. And you can make it right now. If that's you, with every eye closed, every head bowed, we're not gonna embarrass you, but I do want you to respond in faith. Say, I'm ready to give my life to Christ today by throwing your hand up on the count of three. One, two, three. Throw that hand up across there. Look at the dozens of hands coming up all over. Those in St. Pete, Brandon Heights, just wave it at me, put it right back down. Just pray this prayer. Let's pray it all out, out loud together. Say, dear Jesus, today I give you my life, my past, my present, and my future. Forgive me, cleanse me, give me a fresh start for the rest of my life. I will follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And everybody that believes it says, come on, let's celebrate for the best decision they've ever made in their life. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.